covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. I hope you're doing okay as uh, we are getting closer and closer to the official end of the baseball season. In fact, depending on when you are listening to this podcast, it might already be over as the World Series is uh, set to wrap up here at some point over the next couple days. Before we uh, go any further, our housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast, if you want to contact me, best way to do so is via Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Also, if you listen to it via Apple Podcast and want to uh, leave a ranking and review and also want to subscribe to the podcast, that is very helpful. So thanks to the folks who have uh, done that. And a special hello and welcome to the people who are listening to us uh, via over-the-air, real-life, terrestrial radio. Doug Russell's pod center that he puts together on 540 ESPN runs this podcast one or two times a week. So hello to you. And uh, what you are listening to is a podcast that is recorded just for your knowledge on Sunday night. So the information that we are passing along is current as of Sunday. That's generally more of a big deal. Uh, during the regular season uh, than it is during the off season, but you never know, especially once uh, the World Series wraps up and we get closer and closer to uh, free agency. But uh, for people listening on the radio, you can always find this by headed to uh, WTMJ.com. Just go to the mobile network and the podcast and uh, look for Brewers Extra Innings or uh, listen to us on any uh, podcast platform that you normally listen to your podcast on, namely uh, on Apple Podcast and also on Stitcher. On the podcast this week, we have a first-time guest looking forward to having Ben Larson on the program. He is another podcast host. He is the host of the Locked On Brewers podcast, a uh, show that I have been a guest on previously and uh, finally uh, probably should have done this sooner, but now is better than never, right? Finally got Ben back onto the podcast, so our conversation with Ben Larson from uh, Locked On Brewers is going to be coming up in just a few moments or so. As we do uh, get things rolling, want to pass along just a couple notes that came out uh, regarding the Brewers here over the last uh, few days, and I feel like the um, I feel like both these notes kind of say something about the Brewers. Like you can read into it and find uh, a bigger thing that's being said. There's my great use of the English language right there. I came up with thing to describe what it is. But uh, Josh Hader was named the top relief pitcher in the National League. There is this narrative out there about Hader's season that it wasn't good. And the narrative is incorrect. Now, the reason people have that narrative is for two reasons. A, because of how the season ended with the wild card game where he did not pitch well. And then B, he went through a rough period. But, you know, people who say his entire second half of the season or people, you know, the post all-star break portion of the season that he wasn't very good, you're just not looking at the numbers. He was really, really good. He found it again. He had lost it. He was giving up a bunch of home runs. He was, uh, it just, it wasn't great for him. There was a lull. I think that's a normal thing. Most baseball players go through lulls over the course of 162 games. Uh, when you're a closer and you go through a lull, it is much more noticeable and much more memorable because very often it is costing your team games. And that certainly was the case with Hader when he went through his. 
Uh, but up, he had a he had a rough final appearance of the regular season against Colorado. He had a rough wild card game against Washington, and for whatever reason, there's this narrative out there that connects those final couple outings to when he was struggling without looking at the time in between. And quite simply, that's, that's an incorrect way of looking at it. He had a very good season, and he was voted as the best relief pitcher in the National League. So I think that's – I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong, but I feel like if, if you feel like he had just an overall bad second half of the season, you're wrong. The numbers will back me up on that. Uh, and I'm not trying to he, – he did not pitch well in Colorado, and clearly he did not pitch well against the Nationals in the wild card game. But that doesn't mean he didn't pitch well through much of the second half as he did. Uh, the other thing that was uh, that just came out on Sunday that I found to be kind of interesting was people are trying to figure out who the Mets are interviewing for their open managerial position. And it turns out it was reported that Brewers bench coach Pat Murphy uh, is one of the candidates. And he's gone through a couple interviews and reportedly those interviews went well. Murphy's going to be a major league manager again at some point. I say again because if you don't remember, he spent some time as the Padres interim manager uh, when he was working as the AAA manager. Murph's background is a longtime college coach, left the college game. There was some, there was there was kind of some all kinds of stuff that was that was going on. And he left the, the left the college game and he went to manage professional baseball, work in professional baseball. Uh, got to AAA. I remember I was working in the Pacific Coast League when Craig Council was named the manager of the Brewers. And the story that we were hearing inside of the Pacific Coast League, and maybe it's irresponsible for me to even say this because I can't confirm anything unless maybe it was documented. I, I don't know. I could probably Google search and find out, but I'll just pass along anyways. Uh, the story out there was that when Council got the Brewers managerial job, he really wanted Murphy to be his bench coach right then. And the Padres would not allow him out of his contract, which felt kind of weird because generally organizations do give uh, their people an opportunity. When there's a major league opportunity for them, they'll, they'll let it happen and they'll let them go. Uh, the Padres didn't, and then lo and behold, Padres fired their manager midseason and they promoted Murphy and he finished out the rest of the season uh, managing the big league club but wasn't brought back and then the next year in Craig Council's first full season man- full season managing uh, he was there so um, you you wish him the best I, I think he'd be I think he's a very good part of that coaching staff and um, as a bench coach someone that council's able to throw things off of and obviously they have a very long and deep relationship going back to uh, Notre Dame so uh, it would be a loss to to see him go away but he's going to be a major league manager at some point he really does check all the boxes what I see in all this is just a trend recently where it feels like more and more often individuals connected with the Brewers are getting opportunities with other teams. And it's happening in all areas of the game where I think there's just a lot of respect around baseball for the way that the Brewers do things. And even last year, there was something a little bit different last year. Very often in, in recent years, the Brewers have designated a player for assignment. They have not been picked up by another team, and then that player has accepted an assignment to AAA but off the 40-man roster. 
there were a couple times this past year where the Brewers designated a player and they did not get they, they did get picked up by another organization. Uh, and that was just something that we hadn't seen a lot of over the last few years. And it's just another kind of example of how this organization is continuing to build and how other people are looking at it. Sometimes the best view, uh, and I talked about this a few weeks ago when there was the quote from, I think it was the Phillies who, when they were looking for a new manager, and now they have one, uh, but they they made reference to maybe finding the next Craig Council, and it was a very interesting thing. We talked about that last week. Actually, we talked about that each of the last two uh, weeks during our uh, during our social media conversation about kind of the impact of that quote. And we just continue to see, I think, other teams in baseball looking at what the Brewers are doing, respecting it, sometimes respecting it so much that they want to pluck some members out of the organization, whether it's front office, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's players, whatever it might be, uh, there's something there. I think that's worth uh, taking note of, what the overall respect level is right now for the organization. All right, coming up on uh, the podcast, as mentioned, we are uh, set to be joined by uh, Ben Larson. He is the host of the Locked on Brewers podcast, part of the Locked on Network. And uh, Ben joins us here in just a moment. It's Brewers Extra is the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X-Trains, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our social media conversation. Very happy to welcome on a first-time guest on to the podcast. He hosts another Brewers podcast, the Locked On Brewers podcast. Follow the Locked On Brewers podcast on Twitter at Locked On Brewers. He is Ben Larson. Ben, I really appreciate you taking some time with us. How are you? Great, man. Thanks. Appreciate it, too. Um, we're kind of in this period right now where the World Series hasn't ended yet, so you know you can look ahead to free agency. There's been a little bit of news, but not a whole lot of news. Uh, so we're just sort of stuck in this holding pattern of kind of looking back and, and kind of looking forward. I guess my first thing for you would be, as some time has passed since that wild card game and you've reflected back on the Brewers' season, have you has your opinion changed at all? Have you have you come around on anything? What's kind of where are you at on how the season was and the accomplishments of the year? Maybe especially a little bit of time removed from the season ending. You know, I would say kind of a mixed bag, Matt. I mean, I think uh, you know, I think I go back to the initial uh, start of the season was really good for the Brewers, right? They were sitting pretty. We remember coming into what was it, a week or week and a half into June, uh, they they had you know gotten to 10 games over 500 and they were about to play a, a schedule that was going to be considerably weaker and everybody was feeling really good and then they they you know went into a slump at the most inopportune time or at least at that time that's what it felt like and they they lost to a lot of last place teams and it, it wasn't going very well and i kept saying on my podcast at the time you know this happens it's baseball I was giving it uh, maybe a 20-game stretch where they'd be in a funk and then they get back to playing the way they had been before. But that lasted all the way through the month of August. Obviously, mediocre play at least did for the Brewers. Few highs, but definitely just they, you know, respond to a big win with a with a loss uh, and just not able to string anything together. 
And so it was on the on the way to becoming a, a very disappointing season. And then you have September. And we all know, of course, how fun that was and how hot they got. Uh, and so it makes it at least a memorable season. Because, look, this franchise hadn't gone to the playoffs in back-to-back years since 1980 and 81. I was one and two years old. I mean, that's a long yeah. time ago. Uh, and so that's worth something. It's not just a – I know we all wanted the World Series. And, you know, I mean, I get it. You get the Game 7 last year. But you have to take that away from it. Uh, and at the same time, you can still be disappointed that they didn't they didn't measure up. And obviously the, the season ended with four straight losses and the, the bitter disappointment in the wild card game. So all in all, I mean, I think there were some good memories. I think we'll remember this season, uh, this team and its nucleus has a chance to be well-remembered. I don't think the storybook is finished yet, so there's that. And I, I do credit them for making the playoffs. But, you know, it's short of what we wanted or, or even expected, I guess. I'm not trying to sit here and carry water, but I think if you do take a step back and look at the last three years, three years ago they just barely missed the playoffs, then two years in a row of making the playoffs, as you allude to, just the second time in franchise history that, that that's been the case. They very easily could be a playoff team again this upcoming season with a lot of the nucleus uh, returning Outside of them not being in a World Series and, of course, not winning a World Series, this run they're in right now holds up as one of the best historical runs this team has had. I, I think without a doubt. Uh, and, again, this, that's where this year, I think, coming up in 2020 is key because if they can do it again, and that is make the playoffs, then you know it will match up for sure. Uh, maybe the best uh, when you look at it. Uh, you're going back to the, you know, the early 80s, obviously, and even into the mid-80s, the Brewers were a solid team. But... That's what we're talking about. And so, you know, there's ways to look at it. I, you know, you, you can appreciate that, I think. But we're all, I think, as Wisconsin sports fans, we're all nervous about uh, our teams, you know, and the window and the fact they're a small market. And, and you, you cherish these opportunities, especially to have an MVP like Christian Yelts, because you don't know when you're ever going to get one again. And so I think there's always that underlying anxiety. And I share it. I have it, too. I, I am anxious about that and trying to – trying to make hay with what you have for three more years with Christian Yelich. It amazed me down the stretch of the season when they were on that great September run. Uh, it was a really cool thing to see and to enjoy, and the vast majority of the fans did just that. They sat back and enjoyed it. But I can't tell you how often I got phone calls or text messages or tweets from people saying, well, they're not going to be able to do this next year because the September rules are going to change. And, yeah. and and that's certainly a conversation to have at some point in time, but it wasn't the conversation to have in the middle of that run, yet people wanted to have it. It was kind of funny to me. I think that's exactly it. I think that's what I'm talking about with this anxiety. And again, look, I had the same thought, and at the same time you can kind of set that aside and then you, you count on David Stearns to be smart guy that he is, right, and, and sort of overcome that. And as it relates to the specific question about next year's September, they still do get three additional roster spots, and that's not nothing, you know, when you're talking about trying to add extra pitchers. So I'm not that nervous about it, but look, I mean, there's something to September and the Brewers' ability to be better than everybody else at the September call-ups and playing that game. It clearly has had an effect the last two and even three seasons here for the Brewers, and credit them, you know, for doing that and for having these great finishing kicks. Yeah, it's been uh it has been something to to certainly watch and there yeah I I was asking somebody maybe a few weeks ago about a Tampa Bay based person about that same sort of stuff because the Rays do 
kind of the same thing. They actually do it with less. I mean, when you look at their payroll and compare it to the Brewers' payroll, the Rays are better at using uh, data to win as opposed to payroll to win. And I asked somebody associated with the Rays, hey, are they worried? In Milwaukee, people are worried about not being able to utilize the September roster next year. Are people worried about that in Tampa Bay? And the answer I got was, oh, the front office here is so smart, they'll still figure out any advantage that they can have to, to, to make it work. And I feel like that should be the same answer in Milwaukee. Yeah, and that's the answer I've uh, sort of thought. And, and again, you know, I think I'm actually thinking that maybe that extra roster spot going from 25 to 26 I'm interested to see how they handle that all season long. And my guess is, Matt, that they'll have a an extra bullpen pitcher because why wouldn't you? Right. Uh, given the way the Brewers play, but I think that could be a, a again a maybe advantage Milwaukee more than the typical baseball team, Major League Baseball team, because of the way they use their pitching staff. Maybe I'm overthinking that or, or not seeing something there. But I look, you get five months of of the extra roster spot. I think that could be maybe even more of an impact than, than we're anticipating right now. Yeah, you get the one more roster spot, which can maybe allow you to use the initial outgetters and have more bullpen games. The only problem on that, I'll play devil's advocate on you, not that we were planning to talk about this, but it's kind of an interesting conversation, and we're finally in the offseason where it's a more practical time to talk about the other rule change that I believe is going to come into play is that when you send a pitcher down uh, when it's I believe the injured list or sending a pitcher down there's going to be I I think a longer amount of time maybe it's just the injured list maybe it's not just sending them down but either way it feels like there is going to be times where you're not able to have the shuttle moving up and down quite as much so maybe that requires you to create more depth you're still only going to have 40 men on you know on the 40-man roster so there's there's enough small moving parts that I think it's a very interesting thing to watch to see how the roster is constructed knowing the way the Brewers like to play baseball. Yeah, I mean, trying to get through uh, some of the rule changes and how they not only view them but but handle them uh, will be, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. And I think maybe the Brewers people in the front office are prepared a little more than than Brewer fans, but again, a lot to sort of sort through and watch, uh, and it is going to be interesting. It's, it, there, it's interesting maneuvers made by Major League Baseball here, and, you know, again, uh, this is where you get to see how good your guys are in the front office as opposed to the, the rest of the game, and can the Brewers, as a small market team, you know, again, I don't know how I, – I, one of the really interesting questions in my mind with all these arbitration-eligible players and all the, the changes that you have to consider from the rules standpoint – what, where is their payroll going to be at? Is it finally at, at a time where Mark Adonacio can get it toward, I don't know, 140, 150? Am I, am I dreaming there? I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how they balance the two of the smart guy type of small market baseball versus paying for some talent here. And, and do they chase a free agent or can they? I, I just, I really don't know at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, there are a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, the Josh Hader coming in on the Super 2 where he's got just yeah. enough service time to be arbitration eligible a year early, that's going to force a lot. I mean, he's going to get he may get the single biggest raise of any arbitration eligible player in all of Major League Baseball going into next season. So that's clearly going to add payroll. And, and I've talked about this multiple times here recently. Everybody talks about Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal and whether or not they are going to be able to afford to bring those guys back. And it's a very legitimate conversation to have, but the part of the conversation that not enough people are having is 
you still have to replace them and you still have to replace yep. their production and there's there are some third basemen on the market there's clearly Grandall is you know just so much better than anybody else, any other catcher that's going to be available on the market. And maybe there's some trades out there, but we talk about whether or not they can afford to pay Moustakas and Grandal. They're going to have to pay somebody because they got to have somebody playing third and they got to have somebody catching and they want to take a step forward. And there's a lot of production out of those two guys that they got to find a way to replace. Yeah. And to me, I mean, all along when I was thinking about this off season, as the season progressed, you know, in 2019, I was thinking they, they're going to have to try and make a play for Grandal and let Moustakis go because you're going to have to just sort of count on Travis Shaw. And, and I, I expected Shaw to come out of his slump, you know, maybe four, in the fourth or fifth month of the season. Now, to be fair, he didn't get a lot of opportunities at the big league level in the month of September. You know, he's not really a pinch hitter. But that is also a fascinating thing that I've been talking about on the podcast, too, and that is, what do they think of Travis Shaw? Two years of club control left. I mean, again, this goes to your your replacement talk, and I couldn't agree more. They can't have a big hole at third base, but do they count on Travis Shaw to be the Shaw of 2017 and 2018? And if so, can you offer Grandal like a four-year $100 million deal or four years 80, whatever it's going to play out to be? I, I don't know. I'm just There's so many questions that... I just have no way of uh, having any confidence in answers at this point, you know, as far as what the Brewers are thinking or what they're going to do here. Would you be comfortable with a four-year deal for Grandall where he's sitting as a as a 30-year-old right now? He's going to be 31 before the season gets started. So we're talking about a guy. I mean, there's got to be a lot of first base in that plan if you're talking about four years. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but – what are the options? Look, the Brewers, to me, their next best catching options in the minor leagues were at high A last year, right? They had a couple of really great you know, catchers, and who knows where that goes. You, there's no way to predict if they're going to make it to the big leagues or be any good. It's just the way it is. And they just don't have any other options. And so you talk about you know teams with money can afford to overpay. The Brewers can't afford to overpay necessarily, but you know, he's going to get a four-year deal, right? I mean, somebody's going to give him a four-year deal is my thought process on that. That's why I'm saying that. And so, it, to me, I think that's worth the risk if you can get, you know, three, two, I'll say two good years of catcher and then another two years of a combo catcher and first baseman. I mean, I, I get that that's a risk, but that's kind of where they're at if they want to take advantage of this window. I, I'm not in the room. I don't see him taking less money. I know it's uh, there's been some rumblings out there that as salaries have kind of gone down, maybe there's a belief that he feels like he's got to be the torch, you know, carrier for for catchers and making sure they get paid. That being said, can you up the annual annual average value a little bit? Go three years and play the hey, you're going to be playing for a winner because are there are those are those teams in competitive windows the teams that are going to give them a four-year deal? And and I don't know. Right. Like Cincinnati is mentioned a lot. You, do you want to go play in Cincinnati for four years, or do you want to play in Milwaukee for three years? I, I think that's a I think that's a good conversation to have, especially if you can push that annual average value just a bit, where the total value of the contract might come up a little bit less, but you're still paying them at a very respectable rate. Yeah, and you know, cause that depends on the guy too, right? Was Grandal seems by sort of observing him this year like a real gamer, like he wants to be on a winner. I mean, I think most guys do, but does how much value does he place on that versus, 
you know, what would he lose? Uh, maybe $15 million, $20 million doing something like that overall. It's, you know, it, it kind of depends on the guy uh, and, and what he wants his legacy, what he wants out of his career. Does he really want to get a chance to play in, in World Series? Again, it seems like he really enjoyed Milwaukee. You know, I guess none of us really know, but he was in there a lot and, and working hard and working right from the start by all media accounts, at least ones that I, you know, was able to pay attention to. So, I would, I would guess there's a chance that that could happen, uh, and it's probably something the Brewers will feel feel them out on. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting because it would be great if that could be the case. For the second straight year, Josh Hader wins the the reliever of the year award in uh, in in major for the National League, and I just I, I kind of chuckle sometimes because I, I think when you when you're a fan and sometimes when you're too close to the situation, you, you know the old you know you got to step away to see whatever the, the the saying is. I can't even get it right right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Take a step back yeah. to look at things. This this applies on on so many levels. You know, Craig Council is so well respected and is viewed as one of the top managers in baseball by everybody in baseball. Yet there is that vo- vocal minority of fans in Milwaukee who can't stand him. And then same thing with Josh Hader. He is constantly viewed as one of, if not the best relief pitcher in the National League and, and in baseball. But there's there's people I can't I mean people are still talking to me about the way he was used in the wild card game. And it's a it's an interesting conversation to have. Again, I'm I don't totally but it's it's the constant you know this guy's not having a good year. I so many people said that, and he was just voted as the best relief pitcher in the National League for the year. Yeah, that's a hashtag perspective. Yeah, right? I mean that's just crazy. I, I know, and I I always wonder. I don't know how to how to quantify the fans that you hear from. You know, I mean, I think we all struggle with that in our position because you. You get social media chatter. You're talking with fans. You're they're calling in. In your case, you know Matt with the post game show, and and do those represent you know the majority of fans? I think the answer to that is easily no. Right. But how big is that group of fans that that you hear from? Because it's so true. I mean, we all dwell on on. I guess it's human nature, right? That, that being scared of the tigers and lions, cavemen, because you dwell on what could go wrong, and so you dwell on. Josh Hader and and the slump he went through in uh, what was it August, uh, July and August this year, and some of the blown saves he's had before, like any reliever would have, and obviously he just didn't have it in that in that wild card game. I mean, I think that was pretty obvious. He could not spot his slider or his fastball, and and you knew it was going to be a struggle right from the start, and so it was a bad night. Uh, and and you know you just uh, you you. you it is what it is. I, you know, I, you, this team wouldn't have been there without Josh Hader. I mean, come on, right? He's, he was easily again this year, as the award states, uh, the best reliever on the Brewers and wins the award for the best reliever in the National League. And so <laughs> you're never going to kill that factor, especially nowadays with social media and, and everybody's chance to get on and, and state their opinion. But i got to believe most of Brewer Nation realizes what they have with Josh Hader. Something I consciously do sometimes, especially after maybe a rough loss, and I, and I hear from folks who I feel like who I disagree with. I'm not going to say they're wrong, but I feel like they're wrong. Uh, the yeah. next day at the game, if they're at home, you know, I'll listen, 
at, when the starting lineups are being announced and everything, the biggest cheers during that period are always Yelich, and Yelich is universal. Like, there's, there's not that yeah. vocal minority that's anti-Yelich, but I'll hear the cheers for Braun, and he probably gets the second biggest cheer on, on starting lineups, and there is, a, there is a group of people who are anti-Braun, and when Council's name is, uh, is announced, he's probably the third behind, uh, behind Yelich and Braun. And then as far as the bullpen, I don't know if there's anybody that gets a bigger ovation than the ovation when Josh Hader is coming out of the bullpen, and I try to, I, I, I actively try to hear those things sometimes because I feel like the people sitting in Miller Park making that noise are more representative of the overall fanboy base than maybe the people I'm hearing either via phone call or via social media. Yeah, and that could be the case too, where there's a factor where sometimes some of those fans sitting that in the stands are not, uh, they're not following the team necessarily, or or just engaging. Uh, all the time, the way that some of the the people that interact with you or me might be, or even you or me <laughs> might be, you know. And so I, I think that that they they see the good. And and look, there's nothing better than Josh Hader when he's on, and and he's on most of the time, right? And he's just unhittable. And so I think fans want to see that. And you're absolutely right. And I, I gotta believe, you know, there's a love for Craig Council. I mean, it's, he's from Milwaukee for crying out loud, and. The Brewers have done a good job of, of making sure everybody knows that and, and in their marketing pieces with him. But it's good. I mean, it's truthful. It's so nice to have him. And I just, I, I could not, I say this on the podcast all the time, I get managers are going to, you know, make mistakes or bad calls or bad bad uh, choices, right, or, right. or whatever, or things aren't going to work out. You know, that that's going to happen to everybody. But I, I could not have more respect for Craig Council and the way he handles his team and what he does. And I... I trust him completely, to be honest with you. I just I see a guy who's so steady and so good, and I think commands the respect of his clubhouse. Uh, and so I just, you know, I always defend him myself and, and stand in the face of the Brewer fans and those people on Twitter who, <laughs> just, I think they look ridiculous, to be honest with you, a lot of times because it's just so silly. You know, he's he's really good. We're lucky to have him. You know, so that's where I stand. Uh, during the during the season, I would be somewhat jealous of you in the sense that you're doing a daily podcast because I, there's a lot of things that I could uh, go on for a while about on a daily basis. Right now, I, I I know maybe you've slowed down just a little bit, but you have yeah. you are doing more podcasts than I am. What's the um what's what's the general conversation, the general tone of things going on on uh, on your podcast, Locked On Brewers, right now? Yeah, you know we're really talking about. Some of these decisions, particularly with the arbitration players, I mean, you, you obviously saw the club uh, basically part ways with uh, with Hernan Perez uh, last last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was now, um, because they, they just, you know, I think they're seeing that they're going to have to make some tough decisions here, and they've got a lot more coming. You know, what do you do with Jimmy Nelson? Uh, you know, what do you do with Travis Shaw? What do you do with, with some of these guys that, that were pretty marginal, and you've got to make room on your 40-man roster for a couple of uh, up-and-comers in the minors? And so that's the gist of the conversation. We did an entire show on Orlando Arcia because, again, you know, go back to the Twitter chatter, right? There's so many people who are shouting, don't tender that guy. You know, he can't hit. And I'm saying there's so many players that you see, and I'm not saying this is going to be Arcia, but it could be. There's so many players that figure out something, you know, in years four, five, six of their big league career to be more consistent. I'm not saying the guy's going to hit 300 with, you know, 30 home runs. I'm just saying when he's going right, uh, he's okay, right? At short, as a hitter, and, and you love his defense when he's locked in. And maybe he needs to mature a little bit to get locked in and be more consistent through 162 games. But you see guys who are able to make an adjustment and do that so many times 
And so that's what I was saying uh, when we talked about it on, on uh, one of our podcasts this week. But, you know, you can do a whole, you know, 20 to 25-minute podcast on a single player. That's a nice thing. It is a challenge to do one every day. There's no question this time of year but or close to every day. But, you know, you can you can really dive in. And that's, that's the fun part about it is really diving into some of the individual decisions the Brewers are going to have here this offseason because there's so many of them. Um, on the Arcia thing, and, and I'm, I'll let you go here in a second, but – I'm really interested to see the person that they bring in to be the the infield coach because that was something that Carlos yeah. Sabero did. You know, a lot of people just know him as the first base coach. That he, really his co- contributions to the team were uh, the infield play and the base running and that that sort of stuff that he worked on. And he was very much connected to Orlando Arcia. Arcia had his best performances in the minor leagues at Double A Biloxi, where he is still a legend. Uh, you talk to anybody with mm-hmm. that Shuckers team, and they'll tell you that Orlando Arcia is the most beloved player in the history of that franchise. Now they've only been around for you know a, a few years, but he is the guy. He's the number one player in the history of that franchise and Subero was his manager, and Arcia did spend a little bit of time at AAA, but not that much, and once he was right for the big leagues, Subero was on the big league staff, and he's been, Arcia's been up and down from a defensive standpoint, and I don't know if yeah. that has anything to do with why Subero's not around anymore, if they just wanted to get a, a different voice, and he was the one coach that they felt like was expendable, but either way, I feel like maybe there's a chance that we can kind of read into a bit of the future of Orlando Arcia based off who's going to be the guy who's the infield coach, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And I hadn't thought about it, Matt. It's a, it's a great observation. I, I, you know, I think that could be – we've seen stories and heard stories uh, multiple times over the years of, of a coach making a lot of difference for a player. And I don't know. You know, it's, I think with Orlando, I think we all can see it. You know, the Brewers sort of cracked down on him because he, he became – and again, was it a lack of focus? Was it – what was it? I'm not sure – but he was such a spectacular defensive player, you know, in 2018. And I remember being at a game against the Marlins in 2017 when he saved the game with a with a brilliant throw home to cut down a runner. Uh, and it was just so much fun to watch him play defense, you know. And so can he get back to that form where he's just always steady but a lot of times spectacular? Uh, obviously, he still has the ability. And so what is that issue? Again, is it a, is it a focus thing? Is it a – what is it? Can a coach draw that out? That will be another interesting factor. But again, at two point, about two point five, maybe two point seven million, I just feel it's well worth yeah. the arbitration pickup for for Arcia this year. And there's like, even if his future isn't with the Brewers, he's still worth something to you. There's there's probably fifteen teams out there that would gladly take him. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not predicting that he's not going to be around. I just don't think anything is really settled uh, at shortstop right now for the team. Uh, we will do this again at some point. This was fun, Ben. Really appreciate it. Uh, encourage everybody to uh, follow you on Twitter at Locked On Brewers. Listen to the Locked On Brewers uh, podcast, and uh, hopefully we can uh, do this again in the future. Yeah, we got a long off season, man. I'm happy to do it anytime. <laughs> absolutely awesome. Thank you. Ben Larson joining us here on Brewers X-Trains, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Again, you can check out his podcast, Locked on Brewers. During the season, it is a pretty much a daily podcast. And uh, in the off season, maybe not quite so much daily, but certainly uh, it's out there fairly often. So you can uh, check that out. Uh, follow it on Twitter at Locked on Brewers. Uh, and there's uh, more opportunities for you to uh, listen to people talking about the uh, about the Brewers. I 
I appreciate all the other podcast hosts out there doing their thing. And there's a lot of... Uh, one of the things that sometimes it's almost information overload for me, but I think we're lucky that there are so many people out there, you know, I, whether it's uh, the, the folks I have on from like Brew Crew Ball or whatever, or any of the sites or other podcasts, there are some awesome people who have awesome things to say about the brewers. And uh, there's just so much content out there. It's a, uh, it's a pretty cool deal to be able to follow the team and look at things from so many uh, different perspectives. And, there's a lot of stuff I I especially enjoy it when I hear, and this isn't like specific to Ben. This is just kind of a general throwing out in space sort of thing. I especially enjoy when people say something that I disagree with it, but they have a really well thought out reason and reasons plural for it, uh, and I enjoy reading it and kind of challenge. It challenges me on things, and that's one of the best things about. Uh, all the the digital media uh, that that covers the uh, covers the Brewers and looks at the Brewers and talks about the Brewers and everything. There's just a lot of great stuff out there. All right, that's gonna do it for uh, this week's edition. It's Brewers Extra the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.